Amen. As we remain standing for the reading of God's holy word, certainly to the families that have joined us, thank you for including us as a part of your family reunion, the Corbeth Dean family. We are so grateful to have you to be a part of this service, the Davis family. God bless you. Our good friend, we saw just came in. Friend, cousin, mentor, amen. The legendary coach, former coach of the Booker T. Washington, Mighty Tornadoes, amen. Former coach of South Carolina State Bulldogs. In fact, I was proud to offer a resolution at the State House this year. Pastor Samuel Goodwin was inducted into the South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame. Raise your hand, Pastor Goodwin. Amen. Pastor of the Steadfast Christian Center and all of you that are with us so much, we, we are so grateful to have you. As we remain standing for the reading of God's word, let me preference us reading God's word by saying this, and I I announced this during the early morning service, something that I have rarely done, if ever, and that is to say from the beginning that I'm not going to finish this message today, but I invite you to do me a favor and come back on Tuesday night. Uh, and I, I told the 8 o'clock church, sometimes they get slighted because that service is a little more condensed than the 11 o'clock. But I, this is a challenging message, Pastor Goodwin. We all have had that. And when God gave me this series and he instructed me to include this message in the series, in fact, a message <clears throat> that I shared in a series in 2002, September of 2002, 16 years ago, I shared this message in the form of a three-week series. But God says include it and challenge all of us. But it's so important because I want to take my time this morning and, and, and share what he has given me for you today. And then on Tuesday, we are going to finish this. To those of you that are listening by way of radio and internet, you may say, I'm not sure how I can get the rest of it. We will find a way for you to get all of this message. But do me a favor, look at somebody and say, don't miss Tuesday night. We're only here for one hour. Tuesday night, we don't waste time. We don't make a whole lot of announcements. Don't wish nobody happy birthday and all of that kind of stuff. Amen. We just come and have church. Let God bless us and we go home. Amen. And I think God's going to do that for us on this Tuesday night. Even if you don't normally come, invite somebody. Be a part of what God's going to do. The gospel that has been recorded by St. Luke chapter 10 is where the text is found today. We are reading. We're changing it up. Thank you to the audiovisual upstairs. We're reading beginning at the 25th verse. Amen. Concluding at verse 37, we have switched the translation for this service to the New Living Translation in order for you to get a fuller appreciation of its context. This is a very challenging message for all of us. I said to the congregation this morning, it, this is one of those messages that it is not intended to make you shout and run around the walls and dance, dance, dance all night. Amen. You can, amen, and you're welcome to, but it is God speaking to us 
as servants of the Lord. Hear the reading of God's words, and we share the subject and get into God's message. How many of you love God's word? Amen. Amen. How many of you? So encouraging to see you here this morning. Verse 25, chapter 10, the New Living Translation of the gospel that was recorded by St. Luke. And it reads, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus this question. Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story, with a parable. A Jewish man, he said, was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead. Somebody shout half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, King James calls him a Levite, came along. He walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan smoothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. Don't miss this. Where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I am here. Now... Which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. <laughs> Can I say that again? Not the priest, not the temple assistant, but the one who showed him mercy mercy. Jesus said unto this man, yes, now go and do the same. And all of those that love God's word, say amen. Amen. Do me a favor. It is our custom to do this. If you would just reach over and catch someone by the hand as we share this subject. 
for this message. This series is simply entitled, The Harvest. This is the sixth of 12 messages in this series. Hold those hands and look at someone and say, somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. That's what we want to talk about. Somewhere, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, there will be an opportunity for you to serve. Amen, somebody? Listen, as we continue to discuss this harvest theme, but from a different perspective. For the first six months of this year of 2018, we discussed it from the perspective of those of us who expecting or expecting something from the Lord. Now, for the next several weeks, we are looking at it from the perspective of not what can we expect from God, but what can God expect from us? Not the harvest based on what you are looking for, but the harvest based on who can you go after for the kingdom of God. Amen. And if we are looking at the harvest from an evangelistical standpoint, then perhaps there is no greater tool of evangelism than helping and serving those that are in need. This is a time in which you don't need to preach a sermon. We don't need you to have a big Bible and pass out tracts. Those things are good and they are necessary in its proper place. But this is a time in which if you really want to do good in the kingdom, then find somebody you can help. Find an opportunity that you can serve. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples as well as the multitude in the Sermon on the Mount. In the fifth chapter, in the 16th verse, Jesus says these words, let your light Shine before others that, listen, that they may see your good deeds and not glorify you and not brag on your church and not talk about how great we're doing over here, but God gets the glory. Let God, tell somebody, let God get the glory. When, when, when you are doing it the right way, it's not about you getting the credit, but it is about God getting the glory. And when God gets the glory, it really doesn't matter who get the credit. It doesn't matter if they remember your name, if they call your name, if they say, oh, how great Pastor Jackson is, or oh, what a great, wonderful man Pastor Samuel Goodwin is, and everybody else. Those are great things, and we know that. But when you are on a mission from the Lord, your title 
doesn't supersede your responsibilities. I told you this was a challenge. God says, I want to challenge everybody who thinks there's somebody. Everybody who strives so hard to have a, a title and a position. Everybody who thinks that they need to get their name called. Why can't you be in charge of the choir? Why can't you lead a song? Why aren't you a deacon or a minister? God says, I've got a job for you to do. Go let your light shine so that the world may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. The problem with the church of the year 2018 is that we shine our light among light. May I preach this? And when light meshes with light, it doesn't illuminate anything else because it's all light. But you take the dimmest of lights, put it in a dark place, and it'll stand out. We need to take our light out of the light and let it shine in the darkness so that God can get the glory. And when folk want to brag on you, tell them, hold it. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I was nothing. It's by grace and mercy that I'm still here. I should have been consumed, but God made a way. I need somebody to know you wouldn't be here this morning if God had not been good to you. Come on, somebody. Everybody ought to have at least one testimony of how good God has been. To you, it is time out for prima donna church members. I, maybe I haven't been passing long enough. Maybe I've been passing too long. But I am so sick and tired. Y'all, please, don't take this the wrong way. Of prima donna needy church people. Emotional. Attitude. Sensitive. Get mad. I, you know what I told somebody the other day? They said, Pastor, what degree would you, recognize, would you recommend for a young minister? I say, agree in psychology. I said, as a matter of fact, go get your doctorate in psychiatry and have you a good, strong couch, not for those that you counsel, but for you after you've talked to some folk. Because after you get finished dealing with some of these folk, sometimes I got to lay down on my own couch and say, have your way, Lord. Y'all are something else. And, and when you got the chase behind you to find out, you coming to church? Everything's all right? Anybody hurt your feelings? Come on, look at somebody and say, come on. We ought to be so strong that we shine among darkness, not that light got to pat other light on the back. So the Lord is challenging us. If you want to make a difference, go out there in hard places, difficult places, and Go, go where nobody else goes and go in a place that is somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. Each one of us as a believer has an obligation to not just be a worshiper. Anybody can clap their hands and do your dance. Anybody can sing in church. Anybody can tune it up in church. Come on, 
all, all of these high-profile choir members. Anybody can sing at church. And if folk get, get you mad, you don't sing for two months. Amen. You go somewhere else. Why? But if you really want to use your gift, go somewhere where folk need it. There's a homeless shelter that will love your off-tune singing. Okay. And you ain't even got to be in tune. You say you don't even need an organ. You know, listen, listen. I went to transition ministry uh, one year, sit there, and they were having good church, and they were singing and praying, and I was singing, and a lady walked up to me and said, what a beautiful voice you got. I said, baby, you got to be confused because nobody in my church think I can sing. And the Lord said, that's your problem. You need to get out of the church and go to folk that really appreciate whether you're in tune or not. They just want to see your face. Y'all aren't going to like me after this. And so if you want to do something, go somewhere else. Take that ministry. Get fed in church, but feed outside of church. Don't miss that. We are fed to feed. Amen. We are anointed to serve. David, who was considered perhaps the greatest worshiper of all time. David, the author of so many wonderful anointed psalms. David, who writes in Psalms 30 and 5, weeping may endure for a night. Joy cometh in the morning. David, who writes, I will lift mine eyes into the hills. With cometh my help. David, who writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want but David was not just a worshiper, but David was a servant. In fact, there are at least 10 different times in the Psalms that David is referred to as a servant of the Lord. The greatest worshiper is also the greatest servant. The greatest leader, let me say that again, second king of Israel, the man out of God's own heart, was such a great and a phenomenal servant. And I am convinced the reason why David was a servant, reason why David was blessed, is because he had a heart to serve. We've got too many people that volunteer for recognition, but are not there when God needs somebody to put their hands to the gospel plow. I want to point something out to you. I've looked at the scriptures back and forth, and it seems to me every time God needs somebody to do a difficult job, he does not recruit a high-profile, overly qualified prima donna. God looks for people with issues to use them. He needed somebody to go back to Egypt, so he didn't choose Aaron, prolific in his pronunciation and his articulation, but yet he chose Moses, the stutterer, the one with a stammering tongue, the one that said, Lord, I can't do it. I can't even speak straight. God says, if you go, I'll speak for you. When God needed somebody to go after the Midianites, God found a young man hiding behind the wine press. And God spoke prophetically in his life before he was anybody. His name was Gideon, and he was at that time a coward. But God speaks prophetically about what you're going to be. So only God can tell a coward, mighty man of valor. 
Why? Because God doesn't see where you are. God sees what you're going to be. How many of you know that you're going to be more than what you are now? Lean over on somebody and say, you haven't seen anything yet. When God gets finished with me, God's going to do something that nobody thought you can do. How can you do this? You can't do what you want to do. No, but God can do it through you. Somebody ought to put those hands together and give God a praise. Jeremiah was about to give up. He said in chapter 20 of the book of Jeremiah, my soul is in derision. Nobody respects me. Even the children in the village make fun of me. But when he tried to turn in his anointing, God reminded him, you can't quit this job. <laughs> Ooh, I wish I had some witnesses. Anybody ever tried to quit and God says, I don't accept resignations. Amen. Jeremiah said, it was like fire. Shut up in my bone. Why? Because God says, before you are a prophet, you are a servant. And I've called you to serve. So if we're really serious about pursuing the harvest for the kingdom, then we should do all we can to help those that are less fortunate than we are. Those that are in need, the least of these. For I am convinced, listen to this, that more lives are changed by those who possess a servant's heart than the words of so-called preachers, evangelists, and prophets. Paul said they all are sounding brass, tinkling cymbals. But if you want to change somebody, have a servant's heart. Have a caring spirit. Have a compassionate spirit. Listen, remember this wonderful quote that Maya Angelou left us when she says, people may not always remember what you said to them. They may not always remember the favors you have done for them, but they will never forget how you made them feel. If you want to reach somebody, make them feel like they are somebody. Not that they are worse than you, that they are not as good as you, but make, make those who feel like nobody cares for me, that you care for them and you genuinely are concerned. So if we are really committed to the Lord, we must understand that we are to be not just worshipers, but we are to be servants. And we are to serve, and here's where the subject goes. We are to serve not just in church. But there are a whole lot of people that want to serve in church. But there is a place outside of the church where somebody needs you to show up. Can I preach to somebody? Isn't it so easy to serve when people say amen? Pat you on the back. But there are some places you need to go where they may not even remember your name. You may do some things for some ungrateful people that may not even have the capacity to appreciate what you do. But the fact of the matter is now you're not doing it for them anyhow. You're doing it so God to get the glory. So if they don't ever say anything, God, you get the glory. Is there anybody know how to praise God if you've got to praise him by yourself? If nobody ever recognized what you've done, to God be the glory. God has given us an assignment 
to turn the world upside down. Church is more than Sunday morning for a couple of hours. Church is more than a hierarchy of self-appointed leadership that folk make themselves feel good about where they are. My granddaddy, Brother Sam Gooden, and I see Sister Davis back there, all the way from Taylor's. God bless you, Sister Licity. Amen. 90-something years old. Let me pause for a minute. Y'all ought to give, come on, cameras. Put your hands on this wonderful lady in this wheelchair. Her husband, Mr. Jack Davis, 90-something years old, still praising God. Where's Chip? Amen. Chip tipped out on us. But I want you to know this, this woman of God is a mighty woman. And so if, if we're going to make a difference, we've got to do it not just in church. We've got to do it. And so it gets us to our text, to the beginning of this text. Let us examine what Jesus says. There was a legal scholar who approaches Jesus. And he asked him a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, in his, in his awesome wisdom, turns it back to him and says, you are the scholar. Tell me, what does the law say? And he knows, and he answers. Here's what the law says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he asks the question, then who is the neighbor? And Jesus says, I'm going to help you understand something that is not so obvious to the natural mind. That you think, when I say help those that are in need, is to help somebody who can help you back. That's called reciprocity. Amen. That's not helping anybody. That's just swapping favors. Preach, pastor. We do a whole lot of that, and churches do a whole lot of that. And you got, I've got churches, big-time churches and preachers who have come preach for you. You preach for them. We take care of each other. But if you really want to show how good you are, you go drive to Greeleyville. You go drive to somewhere else and some smaller church that nobody knows your name. If, if you want to do something, don't do it in the glaring light of Atlas Road. Do it when nobody else sees you. So here is Jesus. Here's the challenge, my brothers and sisters. Jesus says, let me share with you this parable. There was a man who happened to be Jewish. It's important for the context of the text. This man who was wounded was not a stranger. This man who was hurt was not somebody who was not in a relationship with his faith. And so Jesus says, this man who happened to be Jewish traveled from Jericho to Jerusalem. And you've got to understand that you cannot get any more distinctly different places. 19 miles separated the cities of Jericho from Jerusalem. But it was as if it was 19,000 miles. Because they were totally different. There was a road of 19 miles. And in that road, we are told that it dipped to about 3,300 feet below. In other words, Jericho was in the valley. Jerusalem was towards the mountaintop. And in order to get from the valley 
to the mountain, you've got to go through some rough places. I feel like preaching. It's not easy. Look at somebody and say, it's not easy. You've got to go through some dangerous places. And there's a road there that connected the two cities. Uh, allow me, the homiletical liberty, to share with you why these two cities mean so much. First of all, the city of Jericho. We're introduced to the city of Jericho in Joshua, the sixth chapter. Uh, God had delivered the children of Israel. They had now crossed over the Red Sea and, in fact, had crossed over the Jordan River. On their way to the promised land, the first opposition they ran into was a city called Jericho. The Bible said it was walled up. City of Jericho was a city with a lot of promiscuity there, a lot of carnality there, a lot of sinful things happened there. In fact, it is known famously as the city of Rahab the harlot. I told the church this morning, although Rahab was saved, she could never shake her reputation. Even in the New Testament, Deacon Johnny, they still call Rahab, not Sister Rahab, but Rahab the harlot. How many of you know the world won't ever let you shake what you used to be? But I am so glad that you're not what people call you. You are who God says you are. Somebody ought to just put a 10-second praise on when God changes your name. And made you somebody. Listen, Joshua chapter 1, that's why I will finish this on Tuesday. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, it tells us uh, that this was the first city conquered by the children of Israel led by Joshua. The walls were built up. Uh, but God was so good. When God wants to conquer something, God doesn't have to fight the way the world fights. God told them, put away your swords. And uh, I, I've got a plan in order to conquer this wicked city of Jericho. City where harlots run wild. City where prostitution is everywhere. But when God gets ready to take your enemies down, God knows how to take your enemies out with nothing but a shout and a praise for six days one time a day they ran a walk around the walls of Jericho and went back home but on the seventh day somebody say the seventh day God had them walk around the walls seven times and they didn't have to fight but God says I need you to shout the victory of praise and when they shouted the victory of praise. The enemy's walls came down. Somebody got to help me put an exclamation mark on this. Is there anybody in here need God to do something supernatural in your life? Come on, brother musicians. You've got about 10 seconds to give God a Shabbat shout from the depths of your... Can I preach? May I preach? How do 
of God conquer a wicked city. Look at your neighbor and say, with a shout and with a praise. How does God use you to conquer your enemy? With a shout and with a praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. Give God a 10 seconds from the depths of your back. See somebody hadn't moved yet, but let me help you out. If you don't want it, praise God that my wall comes down. Lean on your neighbor and say, if you don't have anything to ask God for, ask God to knock down my wall for 10 seconds. The next 10 seconds, stand to your feet and from the depths of your your hand like this. Bring it down, Lord. Don't sit down. I'm almost done. I said I wouldn't get too happy. But mother, every time I think about the walls that were in my life. Woo! And the enemy says, I've got you now. God said, you have no need to fight this fight, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Stand still and see the salvation. Good God Almighty. Is there anybody in here God's ever knocked some walls down in your Here's what I want to get to. I've got 10 minutes to do this and we're done. When God defeats your enemy, Okay, somebody said, don't miss this. When God defeats your enemy, Sister Tamika, he will curse the ground they stood on. In order to fully appreciate the significance of Jericho, you've got to visit Joshua chapter 6 and verse 26. Having knocked the walls down of the Jimmy Henry, God cursed the ground that Jericho was built on. And God said in Joshua 6 and 26, he says this, he said, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city. God said, what I've cursed, don't let anybody bless in other words, Jericho from that point on was cursed by God. 
Why? Because they resisted the plan of God. And on the other side of the 19-mile road was Jerusalem. Ooh, Jericho carnality. Jericho sinful nature. Jericho cursed by God. First Kings when Ahab and his, and his delegation tried to rebuild the city of Jericho, the man that Ahab put in charge of the building lost his first and last son. Why? Because when God curses your enemy, whew, you don't have to do anything but let God have his way. But on the other side of Jericho lies Jerusalem. If Jericho is carnality and sin for nature, Jerusalem, somebody say Jerusalem. David writes in Psalms 122 verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem that they may prosper that love thee. If you're cursed when you rebuild Jericho, you are blessed when you pray for Jerusalem. Whew. Two cities, city of carnality, city of spirituality, but somewhere in between Jericho and Jerusalem, somebody got in trouble. Whew. They were not in Jericho. They were not in Jerusalem. They were on the road somewhere between their worst days and their best days. They were on the road somewhere between the time they cursed people out and the time they blessed God Almighty. Most of us live our lives somewhere in between our greatest moment and our worst moment. There was the man robbed, stripped, abused, violated, left, somebody say somewhere in between, left, not in Jericho, not in Jerusalem, but left shall on the road in between Jericho and Jerusalem, half dead, stripped, abused, humiliated. God said, that's just where I need you to be. Because I'm going to see what these church folk are really about now. I'm going to have them pass by you. And I'm going to see if their praise is for real. I'm going to see if all they can do is shout in Jerusalem but can't do anything in between. I'm going to see what they're made of. I'm going to see if they're willing to take their collar off and do more than sit up front in a high position. I'm going to see if they can do more than sing on the Sundays when they are highlighted. I'm going to see what they do in between. Somebody really needs you. What do you do to help somebody who's somewhere in between Jericho and Jerusalem? They're not that bad off, Sister Lynn, where they're in Jericho. 
but they're not that well off that they're in Jerusalem. How many of you have traveled down that road before? Here's how the old church puts itself. They used to testify for that. And for the world of me, I used to wonder why. When they get up and say, I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not what I'm going to be. Okay, somebody say, you're somewhere in between where God wants you and where you come from. But it's a great place to minister for the Lord. It's a great place to bless somebody. It's a great place to say, I'll pray for you. You'll pray for me. It's a great place to take off your highfalutin attitude of bougie and, and, and egotistical uh, self-righteousness and become somebody that God calls to reach somebody in need. And here's where we stop until Tuesday night. Three people passed this man. The question is, which one are you? We're going to talk about that Tuesday night. The preacher passed him? Priest or the pastor? The temple assistant? Staff person? Deacon? Ministry head? And then this old despised Samaritan that nobody thought was saved. Help me, Holy Ghost, that all the folk in Jerusalem had already put in hell. But I'm so glad that God's got a work to do, and God can use somebody to bless somebody that nobody else thought had any anointing. Look at somebody and say, watch God. Stand to your feet all over this place. I'm done until Tuesday night. Now, if you can't take the challenge on Tuesday night, I understand. But it's for all of us. The question is, are you willing to bless somebody in between? Hear the words of this powerful song as we invite you to come to this altar. Leave your seats wherever you are. Bishop Paul S. Martin writes these words. Be blessed, my brother. Be blessed, my sister. Ooh. Be blessed wherever this life leads you. I need everybody to look at somebody and say, let me encourage you. Let me speak life to you. Ooh. You can depend on God see you through you can depend on me to pray for you look at the words in this next clause you might be hurting Ooh, we all have been there you might be crying you might be frustrated worrying and frustrated too but let me encourage you. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, let me speak life to you. Tell them you can depend on God to see you through. Even between Jericho and Jerusalem, 
you can depend on me to pray for you. So keep on praying. I'm going to keep on praying. Uh, anybody know that you know that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much? Come on, quiet. Walk down those aisles. If you're in the balcony, this is your challenge right now that God is saying. God is calling you to be more than just a worshiper. Amen. We're in this together. Be blessed. That's right. that need to walk down those aisles. And if you do, God says, I'll do something great with your name on it. Come on and stand right now. That's right, we're in this together. That's right. You might be hurting. crying sometimes we worry too much don't we and we're frustrated but let me everybody ought to encourage somebody come let me put your arms around somebody say you can ah, ah, to see you Everybody ought to pray for somebody. Are you praying for somebody? So keep on. I'm gonna keep on. Keep on praying. God bless you, brother. I'm gonna keep on. I'm gonna keep on praying. Everybody ought to pray for somebody. We're in this together. I'm gonna keep on praying. You can depend on me. Now listen, I see your future. I see God doing something for you in the future. Listen, look at somebody. See, I see you in the. Anybody know you look better in the future? <laughs> uh, prosperity. Let me speak life. Ah, yeah, you can. Say that again. You can depend on me. I see you.
in the future, I see you walking. One more time, look at somebody and say, I see you. The devil is a liar. I see your future. Woo! You won't always be in this place. You won't always be like this. Everybody ought to speak life to somebody else. You can. Look at somebody say, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. <laughs> right, if you, you pray for me. Watch God do something. Watch God. Watch God somebody ought to get on the devil's nerve. Say it again. I'll pray. Brother Anthony, tell us. Ooh, listen, listen, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Oh, I pray for you. You pray for me. Somebody, God is getting ready to change. You won't always be on that road. You won't always go through what you're going through. Get right. somebody and say you won't die on that road God's gonna send somebody to help you God's gonna send some help somebody 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 God's 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 about to change your situation right now somebody God's about to turn it around watch God change things Watch God 
everybody lift those hands. Those of you that are joining us by way of internet, those of you that are listening by way of radio, we all touch and agree that where you are is not where you're going to end up. Ooh, I have declared and put in the atmosphere, you won't die on this road between Jerusalem and Jericho. You may be half dead. Don't miss this, but tell somebody you're not dead. <laughs> oh, I, I better leave that alone because I preach that all over again. The devil tells you you're in bad shape because you're half dead. You need to clap back at the devil and say, at least I'm not dead. How many of you are glad that you're not dead? Amen. That, 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 that there's still some life in you. Close those eyes. Only God can change it. We can do our part and we must. But the question is, can we depend on God to change it? As we pray and after this prayer, there's someone in here. Elders, deacons, ministers, lift those cards up. Amen. They have those cards in their hands. Take one. We'll come pray with you. I told the church this morning, we'll pray anywhere. Amen. One of the ministers told me they met somebody at Walmart parking lot just to pray the prayer of faith. Amen. Amen. We're on a mission, Pastor Goodwin, for the Lord. Amen. This is bigger than church membership. This is about kingdom citizenship. It supersedes everything. If you're here this morning, you've already made up your mind. and You want to make that decision today. We'll wait right here at this altar for you. If you want somebody to call you and pray with you, amen. It would be our honor to do so. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this sixth message of this series. Thank you for reminding us that most people don't always live in Jerusalem. I'm so glad that most of us are not always in Jericho. Sometimes we fall victim in between Jericho and Jerusalem. God, there's a need in between Jericho and Jerusalem. Help us to accept this challenge. Help us not to pass by on the other side. Help us to recognize that we have an assignment to represent the kingdom. And it's not about what we do in church, but it is about what we do outside of the walls of this building. So move in a mighty way. Continue to challenge us to do better. Continue to challenge us to walk upright. And God, we know that it hasn't been determined yet, but you are about to turn some things around. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, what you have in store for these, your people. You're about to change some things in somebody's life right now. And we consider and declare that it is already done. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, God's about to change some things. Woo. If you are here today and you want to make that decision today, you want to be 
If you want to make that decision today, right now, come on, we, we'll wait on you. You want to do it, come on. It would be my honor to welcome you. Amen. Come on, young man. Watch God. Somebody wants to give that commitment to the Lord. Come on, somebody. Brothers, come on. Turn around. Somebody else. Right? It took courage for you to do that. Somebody else, if you want. Somebody wants God to do something right now. Thank you, young lady. Come on. Come on, where am I, young? Come on, Ivan and others. Somebody put your arms around this young lady. Watch God. Watch God. Look at God. Look at God. We're happy. Amen. Somebody's getting ready to get delivered. Somewhere between Jericho and Jerusalem. Anybody else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Clap those hands. Somebody else, you can come right now. Anyone else? God bless you. Watch God. Watch God. Come on, cry and tell him I'll pray. God. As we take them in the back end. forget about Tuesday night, amen. Tuesday night, Pastor Jackson is going to finish this sermon somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. He's going to share with us, amen, examples from the priest, from the Levite, and from...